Hi, everyone, and welcome to Behind the Numbers. My name is Dave Bookbinder. I am a managing director at B. Riley Financial. I'm also the author of the new ROI, Return on Individuals. And welcome to the show that digs deeper to understand what really matters most in business. I got to tell you, folks, one of the most popular topics of conversation I'm having these days is the war for talent. And today's guest is here to tell us that one of the best ways to win the war for talent is to retain the talent that you have. I'm pleased to welcome Dr. Troy Hall. He's a talent retention expert and also author of Cohesion Culture, Proven Principles to Retain Your Top Talent. Dr. Troy, welcome to Behind the Numbers. Well, thanks, Dave. It's good to be here. And you know, if I were any better, I'd be you. <laughs> I'll bet you say that to everybody. Um, tell the audience a little bit about who you are, and then we're going to jump in. I'm really excited for this conversation. Well, well, thank you for doing that. You know, thanks for that uh, nice brief introduction. Uh, I have a PhD in global leadership and entrepreneurship. My dissertation was in group dynamics with an emphasis on cohesion. And I spend time guiding leaders to retain their talent by creating or infusing cohesion into their culture so that they can have an environment where people feel a sense of belonging, are valued, and share in mutual commitments. Thank you for the, the Reader's Digest version, but I'm going to ask you to brag just a little bit here. Uh, I want to set the stage so the audience understands. When we say that you're a talent retention expert, I want them to understand what that really means. So give us the rest of the story on your background and the research that you've conducted, if you wouldn't mind. Oh, well, sure. Thank you for that. So the, uh, the research really began uh, with a 40-year career. <laughs> 26 years of that was in a C-suite position. And you have a lot of opportunity to work with individuals and to work with groups. So when I began pursuing my education, it became important for me to figure out something that I wanted to do that not only was part of my passion, but also something that could be meaningful to others. You know, I really believe in the concept of leadership is about, you know, really motivating, influencing and enabling others to be successful. And I subscribe to this transformative leadership concept that I spent time studying. And that leadership aspect is what's built into the cohesion culture program. So what, uh, the, the research, uh, basically, it's about four or five decades worth of research around cohesion. And the real interesting thing is that cohesion is a causal phenomenon. It's not correlational. And that's important for individuals to really understand the difference between the two. And so when you think about correlational data, it's about creating a statistical relationship between two items or three or four items, whatever that happens to be. And you'll use correlational data all the time in business to predict or possibly try to predict, to forecast, that's probably a better word, to forecast um, something that can happen. Uh, but if you really want to have a better predictor of what's going on, then you need to find a causal phenomenon something that it creates a cause and effect. So I know this is going to be a little uh, different for you, but I, I'm going to practice just a little bit with you on correlational data. So are you up to me asking you a couple of questions? Fire away. I've had at least two cups of coffee already. All right, super. So my first question is, have you experienced a rainy day? I have. All right. Did you Do you open an umbrella every time there is a rainy day? I don't. I do not. And have you no. been to the beach? I have been to the beach. And have you seen umbrellas opened on the beach? I have. And when those umbrellas were opened, was it raining? No. Great. So I can create a correlational forecasting between the concepts of rainy days and umbrellas. But that doesn't mean that 
umbrellas being open causes it to rain or raining causes umbrellas to open. I might decide as a retailer where I might position umbrellas based on how it rains that day so that I can increase my sales of umbrellas. But cohesion with the elements of belonging value and shared mutual commitment, then what it does is it actually creates for us the the entire uh, the, the, the causal effect that produces performance. And with performance, you get engagement. So what I've discovered is that cohesion equals performance equals engagement. So as organizations try their very best to have engaged employees, those are employees who are helpful, active, vested, and eager, they don't have to spend their time trying to make them happy or satisfied. So the research is that you can create or infuse cohesion into your work culture, whether it's a culture of joy, a culture of innovation, a culture of strategy, a culture of service, whatever it happens to be, you can input that into your organization and you will get the level of performance and the level of engagement that you want. And there's some great stats that go behind that. Well, you know, we, we call the show uh, Behind the Numbers, so uh, we'd love to get into the numbers if you've got sh uh, the stats at your fingertips. A absolutely. So one of the things that we should talk about is the, the really what is the cost and the benefit of cohesion to an organization from a monetary standpoint. Well, one of the things that's important to know is that if you're thinking about retaining talent, one of the reasons why that's an important aspect is because you spend up to 50% of an individual salary to replace them. So every time you want to take a $60,000 salary and replace them, you're going to spend upwards of $30,000. Now you think, well, gosh, I don't really see that. Yes, it's on your bottom line, but it's in a variety of places. So for instance, it's not only the money that you're spending to acquire those individuals, but what is, what is the amount of time and energy and uh, resources that you're spending to train them, to get them up to speed, to uh, make sure that they understand policies and procedures. Because you see, one of the items that leaves the organization when the person uh, goes away is the organizational intelligence that they have. Now, and I'm not talking about people stealing or taking proprietary information. I mean, they just know how the organization works. That is a very expensive proposition. And I believe that organizations who spend time and energy acquiring people, they should be focusing on them as they are the top talent and doing everything possible to keep them in an environment that is successful. What we know is that a cohesive culture or a culture that has cohesion infused in it is four and a half times more likely to have better communication. Now, why that's important is because the data tells us that two thirds of employees do not trust their supervisor and 50% of those individuals would rather trust a stranger than the person they're reporting to. Ouch. So it is important and incumbent upon us to make sure that we are also developing our individuals. So the cost of talent retention also includes developing individuals. 63% of all employees within an organization are seeking growth, development, and advancement. So if we want to retain that talent, we have to consider how are we going to train them and what will we do? We know that a cohesive team will put an increase of up to 50% towards creativity and productivity for that particular 
team. So you get an uplift of 50% of productivity and creativity with a cohesive team. And you are no longer contributing to a global number of $7 trillion that is spent on dysfunctional teams that do not work cohesively together. These are big numbers for an organization to consider. And for those individuals who are number-minded, like you may have a number of CFOs who kind of think that some of the uh, material that we may do is a little soft and I can't see the numbers. No, I can guarantee you that the numbers behind cohesion are the numbers that I presented to you. Yeah, and, and I really appreciate that for oh so many reasons. I mean, when I speak uh, in public, I talk about the engaged employees because the engagement that you're looking for really is the holy grail that's what leads to discretionary effort. And when you talk about organizational intelligence, I refer to that as the intangible within the intangible. I mean, if, if someone leaves the organization and that person knows when the boss is in a good mood, for example, when to approach them for funding, where do you go for information, when that walks out the door, despite all the memos that they may write about with their job and the transitions and so forth, you don't know it until they're gone, and we've all lived it. Dr. Troy, we only have a couple of moments here left in this first segment, but I want to just ask you, tell us where we can get the book, how we can contact you, and I think you have a special offer for our listeners of Behind the Numbers. I do, and thank you so much for asking about that. So people can reach me at drtroyhall.com. That's the website, and if you want to interact with me on social media, it's drtroyhall. So I kept it really simple, 10 letters, and the free book offer that I have for you is at www.cohesionbook.com. Grab your copy today. Dr. Troy, we're going to take a quick pause here. Don't go anywhere. You watching and listening, uh, we'll be right back after we pay a few bills here on Behind the Numbers. Come join us on April 25th at the Wall of Love and Hope as we fight to keep families together. Only you can make this change happen. Mark and Liz from Marriage Matters, a show that inspires, instills hope, and empowers couples to weather the stresses of married life. Join us each week to hear how couples, real couples like you, have overcome challenges that were hurting their marriages, as well as getting expert advice on ways to nurture a happy and healthy relationship. Tune in Fridays at 4.30 p.m. and Thursdays at 9 a.m. on RVN TV.
The new Kentucky Fried Chicken Sandwich with brioche buns, mayo, pickles, and a quarter pound filet as far as the eye can see. Get comfy, it's gonna be a while. This thing's huge. Get the new Kentucky Fried Chicken Sandwich for just $3.99. It's finger licking good. And welcome back to Behind the Numbers. I'm Dave Bookbinder, and today we're talking with talent retention expert, Dr. Troy Hall. Uh, Dr. Troy, I want to kick off this segment by talking about another subject that is a very popular tangent to the war for talent, and that is the great resignation. And I've heard you say that the great resignation is really the great recalibration. What does that mean? Well, what it means is that uh, in 2021, 48 million people decided to leave their jobs, but they didn't retreat to their couch eating potato chips and streaming their favorite series. What it meant was they decided that they wanted to do work differently. So they began to think, how can I do work and where do I want to do work? We know that prior to the pandemic, 6% of the U.S. population was actually working from home. During the pandemic, upwards of 65 to 75 percent of the workforce actually worked remote. They found themselves on a kitchen table at an island, maybe with a laptop sitting on a couch. Some people in a third bedroom, others even cleared out a closet and decided that was their workspace. Now what we see as things are starting to normalize is about a 35 percent of people who will now be working with remote or have a remote option. So organizations have had to recalibrate. They've had to rethink, reimagine, redo what was going on because this, this opportunity to retain their talent was so important. So what occurred with the great resignation is that organizations failed to listen to their employees. They failed to listen to the talent that they had and the individuals who were leaving these were, these were not the individuals who were the bottom 10%, as Jack Welch would have said, from, G, from GE mentality. These are individuals who were very good performers. And organizations have to recalibrate and think about that. Not that they would always succumb to what the individual employee wants or demands, but just to be aware of what's going on in the marketplace. As a matter of fact, one of the key characteristics of today's workforce because I like to say it's not your grandpa's workforce anymore, is this entrepreneurial spirit where individuals want to have freedom and flexible work time, workspace. They want to know what their job is. They want to have the resources to do their job. They don't need someone looking over their shoulder and they don't want to be managed by the time that they're in the seat, but by the job that's being done. So what might have been an eight hour job, if they can complete in six hours, then they want to have those other two hours to do what they feel would be important to do, as opposed to the employer just simply being over top of them, ensuring that they spent exactly eight hours on a topic that they found a way to do more efficiently in six hours. Yeah, and I wanna share with you an experience that I had yesterday, um, literally just yesterday, I was at an event, it's a panel conversation, uh, where some operating partners from private equity firms were the panelists, and they were talking about, of course, this topic of the great resignation, the war for talent. And they noted unanimously that culture and flexibility is, is what's going to carry the day. And they made the comment that, you know, back in the day, um, you know, putting um, you know, an extra coffee machine or a ping pong table in the break room was enough to create a culture. But we're recognizing that that's not enough these days. 
No, it's not. As a matter of fact, it's really all in the treatment of people. So in the cohesion culture strategic framework of belonging, value, and shared mutual commitment, belonging is the concept of saying, I'm giving you an invitation to a party, and you add the inclusion, which says, I now will ask you to dance. So the belonging has to have the inclusion part to it. So not only do I feel a part of something, but I now feel included in it. The number one reason that people leave an organization today is still... I quit the supervisor. It isn't that they're leaving the company because they hate the company or the benefits, but they can't get along with the individual or other individuals within the organization. And that's been drilled down to say that they're leaving because they don't feel included. In value, you have the opportunity to not only respect or how you treat someone, but it's, is my job meaningful? Do I know what my job, that my job matters? Do I know how it connects with others, either upstream or downstream? And then with shared mutual commitment, I want to understand that you are investing something in me. And I always recommend to the leaders I work with, make sure you put the employee plan together of their future and their advancement and go over that as part of the onboarding experience. And I've had leaders say, but, but Troy, I mean, come on, we just hired them. So, so why would I want to tell them about opportunities to advance? To And I said, because if you don't, they're going to go somewhere else and they need to know where their future is. Because when you don't know your future, then you are in a defensive posture, which means you can't self-actualize because you're protecting yourself. So in this whole conversation of what we are attempting to do is to make sure that we appeal to the intrinsic values of the individual. How do they like and how are they, do they feel fulfilled in their jobs? And, and does, is that meaningful? And it's because, and I refer back to Simon Sinek, who says that when an individual feels fulfilled, meaning that the value in their work, then they are going to love where they work. Research says that 87% of those people who identify themselves as fulfilled are more likely to stay. So I like to sum it up by simply saying this, culture is more about how you treat people than the treats you give them. Yeah, that's a, a retweetable <laughs> moment there. Dr. Troy, for folks who are watching and listening and want to learn how, how they can contact you or work with you or get a copy of that book for our audience, how do they do that? Well, they can reach me at Dr. Troy Hall through any social media platform, or they can connect with me on my website at drtroyhall.com. And the book offer is www.cohesionbook.com. Thank you for that. I've heard all those stats over the years that I think it's 80 or 90% of the people that have been surveyed don't quit their job, they quit their boss. So that resonates. But when I'm talking with leaders, especially CEOs who are trying to be intentional about creating a culture, they say it takes anywhere between 18 and 24 months before employees start to realize that this is serious, that it's not just another fad initiative. Talk about the mindset, if you will, of what a purposeful CEO brings to this conversation. Well, thank you for asking that. And since we've already plugged the book a couple of times, I would just remind readers of a couple of places or the listeners here, a couple of places where they can go to for that book. On page 20 within the book, we talk about seven attributes of an effective leader. And the very first place we start in mindset is being teachable. If you are open to new ideas and to new ways of thinking, then you can produce a tremendous leadership environment where you can focus on the on the uh, the needs of others first and then self. So it's not that the leader is ever being a martyr or sacrificing themselves, but what they are doing is they're making sure that others are taken care of. 
And in this mindset concept, I just remind people that I work with on a, on a regular basis, whether it's an emerging leader, a seasoned leader, an executive leader, I tell them this. You don't have to know everything. You just need to be teachable. Yeah, that's another good uh, tweetable moment there as well, Dr. Troy. Is, is, is cohesion culture scalable? Um, I had a guest on the program not too long ago talking about the challenges in scaling a culture as organizations grow. Talk about that if you would. Well, well sure. I mean, culture lives and breathes with the interactions of the individuals within the organization. So as you either bring more individuals into the organization, then you have to be prepared for how are you orienting them to it. So one of the things that I did was I created an online uh, learning platform around this area of the cohesion that you want to infuse and and help organizations really replicate transformational leaders. And transformational leaders are those leaders who have a vision and can teach it. They understand emotional intelligence. Uh, they're good social architects and they have trusted environments. So the scaling is always about leadership development and making sure that the leaders are prepared. The first two chapters of the book focus on leadership. The next two are on culture and the third part is bringing it to life. And on page 103 of the book, I actually give a visual of what a cohesion culture, strategic framework, what a talent retention model would look like for organizations. And they can start to see how the internal qualities or their uh, core values and how they interact with the strategic elements of cohesion, how, how uh, HR strategies and practices are impacted, and then also what do they need to have in the areas of relating and learning within an or within their organization to really infuse cohesion into their culture. Lots of great content in this book. Uh, for you watching and listening, take advantage of Dr. Troy's offer. Grab your free copy. So, Dr. Troy, we've talked about this, this concept of the cohesion culture, retention. How does that work in an environment where we have remote employees, and it sure looks like at, at a minimum we'll be in some kind of a hybrid environment, largely across the board going forward? How do you infuse this culture when you've got the remote employee factor? Well, one of the things, first of all, is that organizational leaders need to understand that whatever they do in person, they need to replicate through remote. So. First of all, understand that concept. The second thing is to use technology to help you recreate some of those environments. And so there are some things that can be done. And so I offer some pretty simple tips. And I wanna base these two tips that I'm going to provide you on something called the power of small wins, which is a Harvard business article that individuals can access today. And the research behind that said that how people feel on the inside and what they do in that connectivity, which is why that connects so strongly to value. Um, and they need, to, they need to have that. And organizational leaders need to understand the progress loop for that person. And what the research tells us is that how a person feels at the end of the day is more likely how they're going to start the next day. So two particular tips that come from this that I recommend to leaders to do is this. One, make sure you're doing huddles. You should try to do a morning huddle. It's a five minute activity. It sets the tone for the day. And whether people are on the phone, on the screen or in person, you can make that connection for everyone. And that is a huddle. And a huddle is with a group. I mean, imagine in a sports activity, if you never huddled, you never got everybody together. You didn't give them the high fives. You didn't give them the motivation to move forward. You didn't stimulate them. You didn't influence and, and mold their thinking. I mean, you didn't do any of those things. 
then you can imagine that the team may not feel as connected as they should be, and they will rely on each other if you set that tone. So you're not giving out job duties and responsibilities in the huddle. You're actually motivating and stimulating them to the day. And then the last thing is that you want to do a debrief, and that debrief is done privately. It's either a touch base physically where the person stops by the office and tells you how they're feeling, or they send you a text or an instant message or an email, whatever technology you have available in your organization, and you want to know how they feel. You don't have to spend a lot of time on discussing it unless the employee wants to, and if they do, it gives you a great opportunity. These two activities will also help you increase the scale that we just had from that previous question on how do I continue to make it work? Because when you involve your employees in the process of culture, they will help you through the process. Yeah, Dr. Troy, unfortunately, we're, we're coming to the end of the program here. We only have just a few minutes to go. But when you talk about that debrief and asking the employees how you feel, if you've done it right, I imagine you've created a culture where there's safety, there's trust, where an employee can tell you, hey, I don't feel good about this. This isn't working. That guy's a jerk. Um, in maybe two minutes, can you give uh, the audience some advice on how they can make sure that, that that feeling of safety is created so that you get that feedback that we're looking for? Well, sure. Well, the first thing is to really subscribe to the transformational leadership and focus on the needs of others first and then self. So as a leader, you have to do it. And it really all stems from the leader. There's little that the employee can do if the leader is a jerk. I mean, let's face it, right? So we focus our energies on the leader and getting the leader right. And so that leader has to have vision and teach the vision. In teaching vision, you not only tell people what to do, but why it's important that they do it. Your emotional intelligence is managing your emotions as well as the emotions of others. Do you understand what people are thinking? What are they saying? What are they doing? What are they feeling? And are you able to put yourself into someone else's shoes? Are you a good social architect, meaning you know how to treat people? You get along well with them. And then lastly, in that trusted environment, are you acting consistently? Do you require your employees to wear a mood ring to figure out how you are that day? Do you go from one end of the spectrum to the other and nowhere, no one knows where the pendulum is swinging? Are you consistent in the decisions that you make with others? And do you gossip, finger point, or blame? Or are you a leader who affirms others? And so we recommend through this program, through the Cohesion Culture Program, that you affirm others which means that you not only recognize them for the job that they're doing, but you also appreciate them for the person that they are. So in an affirmation, you not only recognize their role, but you also uh, make some positive comment about their identity. And that's when you get the strongest relationship of trust, when you have managed role and identity and really combine them so that the individual knows they're a whole person. They're not just being thought of because of the job they're doing, but they're also being thought of as the person they are because that feeds that progress loop and that internal thing that we talked about through that article, The Power of Small Wins. Yeah, a lot of our leaders need to be uh, reprogrammed and rewired. This is uh, a different ball game now, so to speak. Dr. Troy, we're just about to the end here, but I want to give you the last word. You said a couple of things that I, I quoted as tweetable. So uh, what do you have for us as your, your last word in 30 seconds? Well, I would say this. To leaders who feel like sometimes they don't really – they aren't successful and they're not really sure what they're doing. I'll give you some advice that my mom, AKA Fanny did one of her rules. And that was, it's not the successes or failures that shape your life. It's how you handle them. 
Very true. Failure is just a, an opportunity to, uh, to try again more successfully, or I probably butchered that quote, but you get the point. Uh, Dr. Troy, thanks so much for joining us today on Behind the Numbers. Really appreciate it. Well, you're welcome. Thank you for having me. Pleasure. We've been talking today with talent retention expert, Dr. Troy Hall. Make sure you grab your free copy of the book. Uh, it's in the, uh, the notes in today's show. Look down for below for it and grab that link and grab that book. Uh, again, my name is Dave Bookbinder, and I'm the one that my clients turn to when they want to know what their most important assets are worth. You can find me on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter. Feel free to message me. I'm always happy to have a conversation. And thank you, as always, for watching and listening. We can't do this show without you. Please be sure to subscribe, rate, review, tell your friends, and help grow this audience. Really appreciate it. Until next time, take care, everybody. We'll see you again on Behind the Numbers.